Welcome to our podcast. As a matter of black. Oh, perfect. Perfect timing. You did so good this time. Come on now. <laughs> Talking about chemistry. We build, we build the chemistry now. We're so proud of you and your timing. Um, so yeah, we are back with another episode of As a Matter of Black. And as usual, we want to thank all of our listeners and supporters for listening and downloading, playing and playing repeat our podcast. We really appreciate all of our listeners and our audience. And we love making, you know, really good podcasts for you guys to listen to and think about and talk about with your friends and family and stuff. No doubt. We are just a bunch of people babbling without you all. Exactly. And speaking of which, we are going right into the summer months. You know, we just came off of Juneteenth and we were basking in blackness around mm-hmm. Juneteenth. And now, you know what I'm saying, we're headed, we're headed, we're right in the thick of it, of the summer. We have had a few heat waves and things like that. But, you know, we're here. We just got to get through the summer. And then next thing you know, it'll be hoodie weather, hoodie season, sweater, sweater weather all over again. It's always hoodie season to somebody that's 12 years old uh, because okay. taking off them hoodies in the summer for nothing. That's, that's this new generation. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, they may actually be on to something because I recognize that it'd be hot outside, but then it's like when you go to an establishment inside, they got the air conditioner on sub-zero and it's like, I shouldn't really have icicles coming from my eyelashes because you think it's like so deemingly hot, deemingly hot outside. So keep you a hoodie in your car. You never know. A hoodie or or a uh, or a blanket, yes. Get you a throw, throw blanket, put it in your car. That would be great too. <laughs> yeah, man. You know it's summer, and you know it's summer. You know when the temperature rise, you know that's when you start seeing people do the most a lot of times. And so you know what I got to give you, Bowie, right? Is this is this one of your 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 segments? Is this your favorite segment? <laughs> Yeah, give me a rim shot. We're going white on white violence, white on white crime, and make it hot. Hey. Don't make it hot because this stuff is be crazy. It need to be cold right now. Yo, so we got it. This June, this popped off right here. In the summer. A man in Ohio, right? By the name of Chad Dorman. In June, he is facing the death penalty. So you know, you're facing the death penalty, you already know it's associated with a murder. He's nine separate counts of aggravated murder, eight separate counts of kidnapping, and four separate counts of felonious assault. Mm -mm. Dorman, white on white crime. This man is accused of lining up his three 
young sons in the yard and shooting them execution style. Hey, Chad Dorman accused of slaughtering, murdering his sons age seven, age four, and age three. Each boy shot in the head. And the oldest boy tried to get away, ran about 300 feet, mm. and he was dragged back, shot, point blank range. It's crazy because, you know what I'm saying, like, they had to go ahead and do a GoFundMe for the funerals. Man, they set a goal at the GoFundMe just, you know, for 20000 to give all three of the young boys proper burial. The situation received uh, a lot of attention. You, we, It might not have got a lot of attention on your news feed or my news feed, but they raised over $250,000 for the boys whose funeral was you know, scheduled for late June, like the 26th or whatever. This is a dad, you know what I'm saying? A white male father who previously had you know, a few brushes with the law. He had some domestic violence in the past. Um, but, you know, and, you know, allegedly, like his neighbors would say, that he would frequently lose his temper with his kids. But, you know, nobody ever thought that he would go this far and shoot all children. White on white violence. Historically, yeah. When you look at this, at this country, you look at mass killings, massacres, historically, the perpetrators of all of this is usually white males. So when they sit there and tell you about stuff going on as far as black on black crime, think about all the white on white violence that has been perpetuated throughout the history of America the world and so now he's facing you know the death penalty in Ohio and you know what I'm saying like you know he also tried to you know kill the mother mm -hmm. she, she only received like a gunshot wound to the hand uh, usually when somebody gets shot in the hand they usually like covering up their face or trying to block the gun from like getting close to them. So she survived, she was taken to the hospital, but she's the one that phoned in the 911 call, screaming and saying that, you know, her, her babies had been shot. And, you know, a lot of times people think like, these type of things usually happen at night when nobody could find out about them. Nah, uh-uh. That phone call to 911 she made was made at 4.15 p.m. So this is like, that's rush hour type stuff. That's happening as folks are getting off from their nine to fives and they eight to fours, whatever. And she survived, the mother survived, but all three of the boys murdered. And that's sad. Hey, somebody in the news talking about black fathers, this black fathers, that. This is a tragedy, a white, white, violent crime tragedy. 
in Ohio. Ohio usually get a lot of attention to things that go on in places like Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, Akron. What's the other one? Right. It's a Columbus. Few Gary. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, Gary's in Indiana. I'm Come on sorry. Down, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got it. I'm sorry. I was you on the other side of the Midwest. We, we, we going to the Midwest, Eastern side, not the Midwest, uh, West. I I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I just I just got I, I just feel very passionate about this. I, I know, I know. And I, you know what? That's why I came and I, I and I and I, I corrected you with love. Because white on white violence is a hateful thing going on in our country. We are not giving it the attention that it deserves. White on white crime. What's your thoughts? I mean, my thoughts are just like yours. I feel really bad about, you know, about the three boys that they were little, like little boys. And I think this, to me, is one of these things, like, whenever some really crazy or heinous stuff happens like this, it's like, you can't help but to think that all the attention and all this gaslighting that society does, that the news does, that politics does about violence, um, you know, in black areas and black neighborhoods, that they literally allow for monsters to just run rampant all throughout this country. Like when some of this bad stuff happens, it's like, it is because these white deranged white men have been enabled. They have been insulated. They have been protected by laws. Let's talk about laws this past that 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 allow them to carry on the way that they do they've been protected by these crazy right right wingers all over the country they've been protected by community and politics they've been protected by the karens that you know be quick to call out a black man for you know for riding his bicycle or walking around a neighborhood or accusing the black girl of stealing at a supermarket they're quick to do all of that, but all these crazy white men go be walking around unscathed and they are having the opportunity to commit really heinous crimes such as this. And like you mentioned, the, the mass shootings and all this other, you know, all these other acts of violence that they do, that white people do within their own communities. Mm-hmm. It's never really highlighted never really talked about because everybody's too busy talking about black on black violence and i think that is the danger with the term to begin with like black on black violence ain't a thing any more than you know dog on dog violence is a thing it's like you do you live you thrive you fail you do all there is to do in the community where you live and if you are a white man and you live with a family of white people and you are crazy or you have some sort of mental illness or you are just predisposed to being a violent individual when you carry out acts of violence you're going to do that with the people that are in closer proximity to you it's just really unfortunate that the mom and like the neighbors because the reports say that he was he was 
already abusive and already violent. And so what that tells mm -hmm. me is that there were people around his neighborhood who, who, who the cries of those kids, the kids probably was being abused too. The kids and the moms, those cries of the kids and the moms were falling on deaf ears around other white people in those, in those areas. And because he was a white man and he, you know, is kind of, seen it's like the beacon of you know patriarchal leadership and whatever nobody questioned his behavior and what he was doing and then now it went too far and now y'all over here having to raise money for a GoFundMe for three funerals for three little boys that is crazy and what's even crazier about that is we have not heard about like we haven't really heard anything about it mm -hmm. I, mean, I know we don't live in cleveland or we don't live in ohio or whatever but you know we are um we are definitely always seeing news about any other acts of violence in any other part of the country we got to yes. hear stuff happening in new york and chicago and Oakland and any other predominantly black neighborhood around the, around the world. But when something like this happens, this one very heinous, very tragic and very sad, we don't hear anything about it. And once again, it's to prove our point about insulating and protecting the white male, the white man in white communities. Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah. you, uh, you know, we live in a world where you know, if it don't hit the news feed, a lot of times we don't hear nothing about it. And yeah. It takes a special type of hatred for, for children to be the target of your rage. You know, um, young people, you know, they they got a special place in my heart and they should have a special place in every adult's because heart because, you know what I'm saying, um, there's a code to like whatever is done on the streets. And uh, most of the time you try not to target grandmothers, grandparents, elders, mothers, children. That's like right. limits for your rage. Like, it was a whole episode on The Wire where it was like Baltimore with all this crime that's going on, all the drug trade and everything like that. It's a war on the streets. And this whole episode centering around respecting the Sunday truths. Like, don't mess up what we got going on on the day when people go into church and going to worship and taking their children and families right parents to church because that's a day that's a sacred time and whatever you on in your mind you just hey let it go so it shows you like there's even code and shared values and morals even in the most you know, unpredictable environments. 
And so these type of acts right here, when people target like innocent children, you know, it's always like, what is up? And then you find out mother made the 911 call, the police show up to a triple homicide. Triple, right. triple homicide of children. He's at the scene of the crime still. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sitting there looking. That's the end of the crime. Confess yeah. the plan. Confess yeah. the planning this. And he's arrested. He's arrested. No problems. No resistance. And all of a sudden, like, you know, that's when cops don't fear for their life. Because I'm thinking in my mind, you know, when somebody shoot up a school or when somebody just just go on a rampage killing children, how safe do you feel getting called to that scene when the gunman is still there? Because they never feel safe when they get called to an incident involving us and it's nowhere even near this magnitude of this. So Right. That's actually a good point. That's a good point. They come with guns drawn. They come with SWAT enhancement reinforcement. They come with uh, robots that can shoot people or robots that throw grenades and bombs and stuff like that. They come with all kind of artillery. Yeah. Somebody from the grocery store. But White on white crime. Triple homicide. Triple homicide. That's really sad. His children. Mm -hmm. That's just wild. That is really wild. And like. Carcassity. Uh, huh? Carcassity. Yes. And so, I mean. I kind of want to follow the case and, say, and actually see what happens to, you know, the verdict and, you know, with the verdict and things like that in the sentence. Cause that, that does sound really interesting, but. Um, I'm going to keep it on the radar. I'm going to keep it on the radar. Yeah. I, I did not know that um, Ohio was still enforced the death sentence either the death penalty. Oh yeah, you just don't hear about it. But um I believe like a uh few years ago that was a brother that uh got the death penalty there. Uh I can't think of the name. I have to go back and look it up. But uh, yeah, 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 it's still a thing. It's still a thing in in Ohio. He's facing that. I I, I personally feel like this uh this trial is gonna take like a few years. These cases typically. The funny thing about it, like it, it's got enough attention. Mm. Probably he's gonna have some type of representation that's gonna fight like. Hell to keep him alive because of the fact that he did something so out outrageous and so crazy. Uh, they're gonna they gonna question his his sanity. Right, as usual. Uh, they yeah, they they're gonna question his confession because he didn't have a lawyer present. 
they're going to they gonna talk about his rights. He's going to get probably some of the best defense ever because, unfortunately, a lot of lawyers make their names for themselves off, like, um, doing the most in these type of situations. When it's a, when it's a, a case they can, they can really rile people up, you know what I'm saying? They, they will go push it to the limit to just, you know, defend their client. Uh, especially, you know, white on white violent uh, crime defendants. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I imagine this this case will be stretched out for a couple years, and we'll hear about it probably in 2026. 20, He'll finally be going to trial. Wow, which is also crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's 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 just a the justice system. Uh there'll be all types of appeals and all type of things that uh will be going on while he's sitting back living his life while his uh, three children got their lives cut down at seven, three, seven, four, and three. So yeah. And then the mom has to live without her kids for the rest of her life too. Hey, you know, that is a that is, that's sad right there. You know, you don't want to see no mother losing their children. Mm-mm. That's trauma. You know, that's, she, she got to deal with that forever. But, yeah, yeah you want to move forward into some more, I'm going to just call it what I think it is, some more outlandish behavior. Um, talking about this Titan submersible. They don't wait. What the the submarine? (laughs) It's not even. It's not called a submarine. It was a submersible. It had a name. It was called the Titan. Yeah, it was called the Titan. Oh, I didn't know it had a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, everybody was calling it a submarine, but it was not a submarine. It was a submersible, what, what they call uh submersible like craft. Um and you know, it was um ran by this billionaire. Um this billionaire who Basically convince what uh, four other people to take a trip on it with him to try to go see the uh, the wreckage from the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, I said it was five people. We already know. We ain't got to ask what race they are. We know. This is white folks. And so, yeah, 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 you know. Uh, basically, this guy built this submerge. They, they built this submersible to go in June to go under the water and charge about $250,000 $250, per passenger. 
Right. Um, to basically go miles and miles under the water, I forget how many, to look at the debris from the Titanic. Like, I don't know why. And you look at this little, this, this submersible and it was probably about the size of a the average couch. You know, it, it can only fit five people up in there. They curled up in this little submersible. They finna go all the way under the water. And then about not even two hours into the dive, it was lost. You could they couldn't locate it. The, I don't know if the GPS stopped working. Uh, somebody turned location off. Uh, did it go on the? Well, did it go in submarine mode? Because it could be airplane mode. They just couldn't detect it. You know, it it, it was it had gotten. I want to say over a thousand feet under the water. And then it became a big story in the news about these five people, these five wealthy people who were lost under sea looking for the Titanic. And it was all type of mixed reactions on social media about this buoy. I mean, people were... Some people were praying that they got found, and other people kind of like, that's what y'all get. That's what you get. You should have been minding your business, but you wanted to go do this. Some people like, this is what wealthy people do. They get bored with their money. They want to go see planets. They want to go to the bottom of the ocean. They want to do everything but spend their money to do something with folks. And so you got a lot of mixed reactions. And I watched the video of one of the, before when they went under the water and got lost and it eventually imploded. That's what the news said, it, it imploded. Um, this thing was being operated literally with a, a game controller that looked like it was like a different version of a PlayStation controller. And I'm dead serious. This was the controller that was using to steer this submersible. Now imagine putting your life on the line for somebody to be sitting there guiding this big submersible with a PlayStation stick. I'm going to tell you right now, Gamers go through controllers like crazy. They drop, they fall, they stop working. Little buttons get stuck. You know what I'm saying? If you a gamer or you just like, I mean, we ain't got to call it being a gamer. If you just like playing Xbox or PlayStation, you're going to have a budget. You're going to have some money budgeted to the side because your controller, you know, it, it lose, it lose. It's, you got to charge it so often so you can keep it. You can use it, everything like that. You wouldn't, I would never dare step foot on anything that was being controlled by a game controller. That's 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 just wow, especially going 
a place where nobody's been before. Yeah. People have all, there have been several attempts to try to pull the Titanic from the water and go down there and discover whatever is left behind. Is it skeletons, bodies? Is it, uh, is it trinkets that people left behind? Is there jewels, whatever? And I mean, you know, it's always, it always sounds like, ain't life just enough for you? You really got to know everything that's unknown. I mean, I think once you get to a point of like extreme wealth, like if you're able to blow $250,000 on this expedition trip to the depths of the ocean, you, you know, kind of sitting around ain't really doing much. You know what I'm saying? Like you have really done all that there is to do, probably. You probably already skydive. You know what I'm saying? You probably already travel around the world. You probably seen most countries, if not all countries. You've been to all of the United States. You probably have been to every continent. You probably have already done all sorts of, you know, moderate, like not not average everyday expeditions, but like kind of, you know, moderate to extreme expeditions. You probably been, you know, seen the type of Kilimanjaro via helicopter. You know what I'm saying? You probably been, you know, seen a polar bear or something and seen penguins in Argentina. Like you've probably done moderate, you know what I'm saying? Extre moderate to extreme activities. So you got 250 grand just laying around and you could throw it at anything. You could, you could buy you a new car, like most, you know, wealthy people, but you probably already got all them cars. You don't probably want no new car. You, you probably spend your money on experiences. And just like, all, like you said, these other wealthy people, they have already seen around the United States and they have already seen every continent there is. They have already seen all the countries they want to see. So now, they want to extraterrestrialize their experience. You know what I'm saying? They want to see what it looked like on the moon. They would like to know if they can go to Mars. They was like, we went to school and we seen all the planetariums or whatever. We would like to see the Milky Way up close. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to just look at a telescope and see it from afar. And and because they got the money to do it, and because they got the money to throw at it, they gonna find somebody who's going to be like, oh well, give me the money, and I will help you, you know, along in this excursion or whatever. Which is what this submersion, because I've never even heard of it, it's so odd. But a submerge submersible, the submersible, Sub That's what Sub submersible. That's what the submersible yep, looks like. It, it it is. So from what I understand, do you know where they were? Were they in Canada somewhere off the coast of like Canada in New York? Do you know? Uh, off the Atlantic Ocean. Somewhere in yeah, the Atlantic Ocean. I'm yeah, it was in the North Atlantic Ocean, like oh. off of uh, Newfoundland, which is in Canada. Okay, cool. Great, great. So that's where they were, you know what I'm saying? They needed to go 12,000 feet. Um, is yeah, what they needed to go. 2,000, I want to say. 12,000. 
Yeah, but they didn't even oh. make two thousand. I want to say. I know. I'm getting to it. Go ahead. I'm I'm saying, what I'm saying is the expedition was supposed to take them close to like 12,000 feet because that's where the ruins are at 12,000 feet. Yeah. This thing is saying that then people didn't weren't even they weren't even in the they this thing say the at the maximum it was a minute into their submersion. But essentially, it could be anywhere from 48 to 71 seconds. So I'm talking about you sitting up over here on the coast, you know, I don't know, slapping five, you know, get eating snacks and Cheetos or whatever, talking to, texting your mama or whatever, saying, hey, you know, we'll be back. What's also interesting is like, because uh, that, you know, whenever the, whenever the thing got lost, you know, we didn't really have a timeline. I never really tracked it because this is like rich people's, you know, issues. And I've been having other stuff going on, you know what I'm saying, as a, you know, mid, lower middle class person. So, like, I just was like, this ain't got nothing to do with me. And I honestly thought that they were going to be found because, like, you know, I don't know how stuff like this get lost. Like, you hear about planes and stuff getting lost or whatever. And sometimes they be recovered. Sometimes they don't. But, like... I never heard about, you know, nothing with dealing with no water or whatever. So I didn't really know, but I didn't really fully understand like the timeline, you know, until they started talking about, um, they kept doing these daunting like countdown in regards to the amount of oxygen they had on the ship, on the thing, the submersible. And so I don't really know. They were supposed to, you know, deploy or whatever, and I'm assuming were they gonna be back in a couple of days? Like I don't really understand the timeline, but they only had what 72 hours worth of um oxygen on the the apparatus or whatever. So yes. I was it was supposed to be like a quick trip. And maybe they would have posed to go down there and then come right back up, maybe. Like, but I don't know how long it takes to get. 12,000 feet to the bottom to the ocean. It's just so much that we don't know. I don't know. And, and the thing about it is, they don't know. They didn't know either because ain't nobody ever did it. So there ain't no way to know. Okay. 12,000. Okay. And then that's another problem. That is also another problem. You don't take lay people down to no expedition and no experiment that like you've never done before. And you don't do that while using a, you know, um, a Xbox controller. And you don't do that with like this makeshift something that ain't even a submarine because if they would have took them people down there in a submarine and this would have happened then i probably could have been like oh that's like this crazy you know what i'm saying like this faulty or whatever but you didn't even take these people in the submarine you took them in a submersible you don't take no lay people in in something that's not even this not even state of the art you know machinery you took them in a sub par you know aluminum boat essentially <laughs> like it wasn't even a boat. boat it was just you're just a craft <laughs> <laughs> so
So that is my problem. Those are my cup. The couple I have a lot of issues, but like those are a few. The other issue is that they drug us along. They drug us along with this story, and I mean, when they was talking about it was daunting, like seventy two hours of oxygen left. That really made my heart sink. And like I wasn't all that invested like that, but you know, news and stuff. That's the point of news. It makes it does that to you, and so I would I wasn't even paying attention like that, but I would see it, you know, every so often. And they was doing this countdown with these people oxygen, and the and so that was crazy. Then they were spending all this tax money to try to find these people, you know, mm -hmm. having a coast guard and all these other like you know search parties and stuff like that, agonizing the general public, agonizing the public. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't even they don't even search in the woods that long when somebody come up missing. They don't even do that long. You know what I'm saying? I, it's so many missing people all around the world. All they see, I've seen this little black and white uh poster today up on the Dollar General sign, and I'm thinking y'all don't even have y'all can't even get uh posters in color for these babies that's missing out here all over the country. But y'all spent all this money on this search party for these wealthy people that willingly went down to the depths of the bottom of the ocean to see something that they could have easily turned on National Geographic and seen, you know what I'm saying, for a long time ago. Probably have already done that. So that was agony, the agony of that. And then the agony of the fact that those, the they had already perished the day that they deploy and they drug this story on all this time and the reports there was conflicted reports saying that that whoever knew base camp or whomever the mothership or whoever knew that they had perished already but was acting like we don't know or something I just was like, this was way too much. It was way too much of an emotional roller coaster. And one of the weirdest stories that like, it, I feel like every few days there's like something else that's just strange that's happening in the world. Like outside of just the regular everyday things that kind of go on that are like insane. You have stories like this where you're just like, there's really stuff like this going on. Like it's kind of, it's just unbelievable. You just can't believe it. Yeah. That's how I feel about the submersible and the story. Well, I feel you. You know, I say this right here. First off, I hope if I ever run into some money, like that type of money they got, that I'm not even one-tenth as bored as they are with their money. <laughs> because, Same. Because... You know, I just don't, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see being that bored to where I just want to say, hey, I'm about to go do something that's damn near impossible. Like, I'm going to risk it all on this. Once they, look, once I would have went to the orientation at the person and they said, here's your, here's your uh, simulated game controller. This is what it looked like. <laughs> that you using underwater? Push X. Okay. Push, you push, push X on him. 
if you want to if you want the submersible to go to the left all right yeah. <laughs> ah, use, and, your, use your joystick yeah, you to do go that. lower <laughs> oh combo some of them went to that workshop where they told me hey here's your pecan <laughs> press this button and this is what you'll be peeing using the pee you and the rest of these five gentlemen in here and I'm like well, what if I have to do number two? Is there a poop shoot? Look, that's why you have to monitor your, your, your intake. You're doing liquids only. That's what they probably told me. Liquids only at the at the uh, orientation. And they probably said, hey, if you got something else, but you know, just use that power to the other side of submersible and use that little can to do that too. As soon as like, popped out and said, we, we all going to be curled up like this for the next few hours. And then they said, we only got 72 hours worth of oxygen. And that would have took me, I would have been like, mm -mm, that's not enough because this person over here got a big back. And so they probably take up more oxygen than me. And so it's few to it's a couple of people with big backs on here. They probably breathe very heavily, especially when they sleep. And then so I would thinking, uh, who in the submersible got gas all the time? <laughs> who in the submersible spit when they talk? Stop, stop. I'm done. Who in the submersible musty? Because you know what somebody must oh, I was gonna say something. So wrong. I'm glad I didn't. Oh my gosh. Who the submersible ate some tuna fish before they, they got on the on the submersible and they breath smell like tuna. I mean who who person on the submersible diet consists of curry and onions only. That's it. Who on the submersible like to pick their toe jam off and rub it against people? You remember you were close quarters with these five dudes. I know some folks who can't even take a van trip three hours with certain people because they just can't stand the way they do things. Bad hygiene, whatever. I mean, it could get kind of sticky, but you're right, you know, because I'm like, did they go to orientation? Did they get like a piece of paper that was like, you know, read, start here, like submersion, you know, Writing the Titan submersible, start here. And this like this is the joystick. You know, if you turn on the lights, press X and O combo together. In orientation, you just he just you just saw him digging his booty and he gonna hand you the controller. I'm not touching that controller. Look, get me out this orientation. I would just be like, this is enough. Yeah, for me it would have been to me, for me. Or, orientation should have made them turn around. And I don't, I don't even know if they had an orientation. But to do something like this, I feel like it needs to be a whole workshop and a training before we go under the water. So if they didn't even do all of that, we gotta test this out. Come on, let's take this to the let's take this to the to the to whatever pool real quick. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta I know they all got a pool at the house. Come on, we gotta take we gotta test this out over here. Yeah. But somebody probably live on a lake or something. Come on, we gotta test this out first over here first. Y'all, y'all playing games. We gotta do a scrimmage. We gotta do a scrimmage. 
for me, it would have been they wouldn't have had to tell me nothing other than the um number of um I'm gonna tell you two things. They wouldn't have to tell me nothing other than the number of oxygen was left on the thing. Because exactly. 72 hours of oxygen is just not enough. And my brain would have went straight to that. Only, only that, nothing else. The somebody other thing, somebody that was on the Titanic probably hung on to a piece of the boat for longer than two hours. I mean, for longer than 72 hours. Right, exactly. Um, the other thing is that, you know, and I should know better because I experienced this once before, but like I did not know that a now I have heard of an explosion, but I ain't heard of no implosion. Now I didn't know the thing could implode. Okay. And so if if they had have told me something like that, that would have been deterrent number two because you know, for me, when stuff happened, when you know historically stuff to happen one way and somebody introduced a new thing to you, that would have scared me. Like the one time I went canoeing, I went canoeing one time on the Buffalo River and it was a very tough experience. Like it was really hard. Um, and in my head, I, I just knew I didn't want to sink. Like I don't want to sink. It started raining, and I was like, the canoe going to sink or whatever. I was so worried about the canoe sinking that when the canoe flipped over on its, on its top or whatever, and the, it was bottom up, I was so mortified because I had no idea that a canoe could just flip over like that and be and beat and just flipped over on the top. Like the bottom of the canoe was at the top and the top was at the bottom. And from then on, I was like, I'm never going canoeing again because the canoe flipped. Like, it, you know, I like, I probably, it probably was very unlikely for it to sink, even though that was my greatest fear that it was going to sink. Mm -hmm. I was not prepared for it to flip over. And so, if in my head, I know that things can explode, that's going to be predominantly what I think about. But then if you introduce a new way to me, such such as implosion, I'm not doing that. It's another way for me to get hurt. Yeah, like... Say on land. That's another reason why nobody's ever been able to go down to the uh, ocean floor or whatever to see this. You know, the buoyant force... In the water, once you get lower and lower in the water, there is so much water pressure around whatever it is. Right. It causes things that are like, I guess, insulated or whatever to implode. And this is another reason why if the Navy, the Navy couldn't do it, if the Navy couldn't send a submarine down there to go do this stuff, then it's probably a reason that none of us should be trying because these people sit, these people waste millions and millions of dollars of hard tax dollars all the time doing things under the water mm -hmm. that nobody else can do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the implosion part of it, no wonder they couldn't find it. I'm, I'm sorry, it was probably blown to pieces. Blown to pieces, but from the inside. Because <laughs> it implode, not explode. Yeah. So, like, 
but that's that's because of the water pressure that that you're yeah it, it was too heavy the water was too heavy yeah it it does anything under the water like that so yeah you know and people want to get upset there there's still people i can't believe you acting like this you know people saying all that type of stuff but you got to realize we're talking about wealthy individuals. Very wealthy. Wealthy individuals doing this type of stuff. And we're also talking about the same type of wealthy individuals that elect people who are constantly blaming people who are in poverty, blaming it on them. You're in this situation because you're lazy. You don't want to work. You don't know the value of having to go to work and earn your money. Your welfare babies. All you want to do is do drugs. This is why you're poor. You know, uh, same people, they relate people that see people struggling. They want to take away their health insurance. They want to take away their social security. They want to take away opportunity for them to have a good, decent education in the public school system. All because they need people who will keep them in power and keep them from paying higher taxes. So these are the same type of people that blame the working class for their own problems, knowing that they have the money to help fix those problems, but they just don't want to do anything with them. Mm -hmm. Who, you know, Celebrate imperialism. And capitalism. And capitalism. Mm -hmm. And take every opportunity to tell you that a socialist is a bad person. You know, all this type of stuff. So if you want to crack a joke about something that nobody else that you know in your family or your network can personally do, because I don't know anybody that could just say, hey, I'm taking the next couple of days off to go take a $250,000 trip. Uh, see you when we, we get back to the top of the ocean. I don't know nobody who could do that. I don't know nobody that want to do that, I don't think. Same. But, you know, people want to come at you like, you wrong for cracking a joke like, nah, this is this is what a capitalist society breeds. It breeds, you know, like what you talk about. You got so much money you bored with. You don't know what to do. I can wake up every day and think of something beautiful and great to do with that, with that type of money. For others, not, not just myself, for others. And that's crazy to me that people actually uh, just wake up and just don't know nothing else to do but do stuff like that. So It's very crazy. And it's like, what do you guys, your brain must really be on 10. And I'm like, is it psychedelics or a, another narcotic or something? Because... The most I would like to do, huh? 
was like, no, nah, sometimes it ain't even that. But yeah, you right. They, they be on different narcotics like a mug. Sometimes it's just audacity. That's it. I mean, yes, the audacity or anything. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's like anything because I'm just like, my brain don't think like that, you know, and I have aspirations and stuff, big aspirations. But my brain just doesn't really think like that. Um, so be a different person to wake up and say, "I want to spend a, I want to spend a couple of months on the moon." Who? Uh, I just want everybody that you know to just you know, if you get any crazy, crazy ideas, I, we definitely would encourage people to think big. You know what I'm saying? But just also. You know, be easy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and and as we're closing this topic out, I gotta I gotta find the article um, that is some people from NASA. They just went to a, like a facility mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's supposed to be. Like simulated life on like Mars or somewhere, somewhere in outer space. And this facility, they close the doors to it, and these these individuals are all locked in there for the next year. They cannot leave. And they the the uh, I want to say they volunteers, and this is to see what the effects are of living in this simulated space for a year, what are going to be the effects they had. So it's all to just test, like see what they're going to look like physically when they get out of there, psychologically and mentally, emotionally, what are they going to leave there looking like? So these people have signed up to basically experience this. They don't know what it's going to be like, but it's all a study to see how would somebody respond if they lived in this type of environment for a year? What would it do to the average person? Well, you know, these not average people that's going to do this type of stuff because, you know, they probably some type of genius in some type of way. But they're, the whole goal is next year to see emotionally, physically, mentally, what are the differences between when they went there and what is, what is it going to be like when they come back after this year? They cannot get out. So if somebody died this week, they probably just going to be up in there until next year sometimes dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. A medical emergency or something like that. I don't know if they're going to, they can stop the simulation and go in there and get them. But they said these people cannot get out for the next year. And when I find, when we put the episode out, when I find that, when I'm going to throw that little article right above it, I'm like, it's the next experience we're going to talk about next summer. We're going to see what these folks come out. You know what I'm saying? And this yeah. is, they, 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 they on earth. They, they, they somewhere in the, somewhere, I think in the United States, I'm not sure. It might be somewhere else, but they here on the planet, but they are in a facility that is simulating them living in outer space for the next year. Um, once again, you want to sign up for something like that? 
No, I'm good with signing up with something like that. And once again, I want dream big, but be easy. I need to get a t-shirt to say that, as a matter of fact. That need to be my next merch line and headline. Dream big, be easy. And like dream big will be in t- at the top and then it'll have like a line. And then beneath it, it'll say be easy. Sounds like the title of our next podcast, too. <laughs> period, period. Um, and so yeah, I don't want to sign for anything like that. This kind of reminds me, we're going down a rabbit hole, we're not even supposed to be doing this, but like this really reminds me of the Stanford prison pro, pro- experiment. Uh, and like that, but is that the work. one when the, when the people had to choose whether they wanted to be guards or inmates? I don't think they chose. I think they just went ahead and were they were inmates and they were living like prisoners. And this happened like in the 70s or something. Uh-huh. And so I don't know. I feel like these just experiments keep getting crazier and crazier. And, um, you know, some sometimes we just don't need to know. Nah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, if you ain't a person that's a part of the criminal fraternity or criminal element, a part of the underbelly of your society, you ain't got to worry about what it's like to be in prison. You got to worry about it. And if you don't plan on living till you like 150 or 200 or even a thousand years old or whatever, you ain't got to worry about what life is like on Mars. Because you ain't going to be there. You ain't going to ever get to see it if you don't plan on living for the rest of eternity. If you plan on dying at some point, you know what I'm saying, your you know, late, late 80s or even if you live on being 100, you're going to be too old to be trying to get to Mars. So you don't got to worry about it. It's like some of the stuff you ain't even got to worry about. I ain't got to worry about what life is like in prison because one, I know people that's been there and they have told me. um, It was horrible. And the whole Mars thing, that would scare me. We go back to oxygen. I worry about that being short of breath on another planet. And I don't know if I take my dog. So I'm good. Look, we still in a pandemic where People die because they can't catch their breath when they get this COVID-19. And you want to go try to experience that for pleasure? No, we don't have to do that. You know, and then there's so many other like extremists, like, you know, the, like the daredevil, that guy that was like the daredevil. I can't think of his name, but I think he he was like a trapeze or he's trying to walk like a line or something, or maybe he was on a it made, was it Evil Knievel that died like that, doing some kind of trick? I believe he did. I believe, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what happened to Evil Knievel, but that's what he was, a daredevil doing tricks all the time. And it was a couple. One of them was like, I think he died from like walking the tightrope. And he lost his balance and not, and he did not make it. So it's just a lot of things like in extreme sports and just like, these other types of like behaviors and activities where it's just like i mean for each to each his own everybody's got a thing everybody's got their their thrill but some of this stuff is just getting out of hand look every time i see those thrill seekers the ones that like to climb to the top of whatever building whatever mountain and take a picture right on the edge i'll be like y'all don't love living life you know what i'm saying (laughs) Because I don't never, 
want to do that, be that person. Never. Like, I ain't even scared of heights like that. But why, why play with my life and dangle myself off the edge? Or those folks who like to climb to the very top of the building, then climb over and then hang from the building and pull themselves back up? I'm like, nah. You know, I, you know, thrill seekers, call, you can call it thrill seekers or risk takers or whatever you want to call it. I just be like, y'all, uh, I don't know what's, what side of the brain y'all thinking of. I, I, that, ain't, that ain't what I'm on. Got to be more careful. And yeah, you know, I don't think we need to hear no more stories like this for the rest of the year. Well, we're going to hear something again because uh, somebody is always willing to to, you know, take that risk. We're going to continue to hear stuff like this, but probably like submersible, I don't think we're going to get another story like that for a while. Let's hope not. Be fresh on everybody's mind for a minute. Let's hope not. All right. So, speaking of what's fresh on everybody's mind, did you go to Essence this year? No, I didn't go to Essence. Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, do that. Uh, but I enjoy, I enjoy the the vibe of what Essence is supposed to be. Uh, you know, which is, you know, celebrating black entertainers, great city of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know. I was excited about it this year because, once again, you know, celebrate 50 years of hip hop. Mm. You know, recently I found I was able to find a um, a photo from the souvenir book from the first Essence Festival, and uh, of course I was not there. But the first Essence Festival was in 1995. And the festival was just, so in 1995, it was celebrating 25 years of the magazine, 25 year anniversary for the magazine Essence. And I did not know Essence got started in 1970. That's, 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 uh, that, that kind of shocked me because I knew Essence was dedicated to the, to the black woman. And I knew that Ebony and Jet were like, you know, the, the, the first magazines that Black people really had access to, uh, started by uh, John H. Johnson, who is uh, a, um, uh, an icon and a legend here from Arkansas. Uh, but so the Essence magazine started 1970, the first festival was in 1995. So, uh, Bowie, listen to these, listen to this lineup at the first Essence Festival in 1995. I'm ready. All right. Did you, did you see me share this, 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 uh, booklet cover? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, I'm just going to tell you anyway. All right. So, Luther Vandross, mm -hmm. Gladys Knight, Patty LaBelle, Anita Baker. Boys to Men, B.B. King, Mary J. Blige, Barry White, O.J.'s with Gerald LeVert, Frankie Beverly and Mays, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, 
Aaliyah. Who else did I miss? Did I say Aretha Franklin? Yes. Okay, so that was the lineup for the first ever festival. And it was supposed to be a one-time festival. Like, it was supposed to be 25 years. We just don't want a festival. But what ended up happening was they put together this. You hear this bill. It's like, come on, Luther. So many people who passed away. Luther, Aretha Franklin, Barry White, B.B. King. Uh, you know, members of Earth, Wind, and Fire, Aaliyah. Hear this bill, man. And they thought they was going to put together a one-time festival. What ended up happening is over 140,000 people showed up. And that's how Essence Festival became a thing. So this year, they did a whole tribute to, you know, hip hop. It was, it was dope. Um, and I just feel like that's become part of like our culture as people. Like the Essence Festival, like is a reflection of like uh, just how popular black music and how much black music has changed the world. That first festival you heard, like no hip hop acts on there at all. Like the closest you could get back then to hip hop at the festival was Mary J. Blige and Aaliyah. And the only reason why I said they was close to it was because, you know, they always say uh, Mary J. Blige is the, the queen of, of hip hop soul. So, because her beat and everything she sang over was a you know a little bit more hip hop influenced in R and B. Uh, Aaliyah, who you know, you know, had more of a hip hop style than uh. A lot of other people who came out around that time. But like, yeah, you know, it was just it's just crazy to see hip hop 50 years old and the Essence Festival happening in 1995. So that festival is almost 30 years old. It's like 28 years old. I mean, you know. 29. Just, I think it turned, it turned 30 next year. 30 next year? Uh-huh. Hey, so just wild. It's just wild that, you know, it's it's going down like that. But, like, like what's your thoughts on Essence Fest? What do you think? Well, I absolutely love Essence Fest. I have been a few times, maybe like four or five times. So I'm not an Essence expert yet. But I definitely like enjoy, you know, of course, being in New Orleans. As a matter of fact, like I have been to Essence. I have been to New Orleans a, a Fourth of July weekend more than I have actually been to Essence because the weekend is just always like electrifying people from all over the country and the world come into the Essence Fest and like have a really good time. Um, I love that they pay homage to 50 years in hip hop, but you know, everybody's doing that. And so they would kind of be a fool to not capitalize off of the opportunity to give homage and give hip hop the credit. And I think it's also interesting that, um, that, you know, they started out without like heart with hardly any hip hop artists to just 
explode and do a whole hip hop set essentially for um, this past um, festival. So I love that. I really wish I could have gone this year, but um, I didn't have an opportunity to do that. But SS is dope. And like, I would encourage people to go. I will say that like, because I had went so many times pre-COVID that like when I went last year post-COVID, I didn't enjoy it as much, but it seemed like this year they kind of were kind of getting back to pre-COVID Essence Fest, which I love to see. Um, but yeah, the lineup was amazing. It seemed like um, the, you know, all the, they had like a women's night, a women in hip hop night, and they had like a men in hip hop night. Missy Elliott was the headliner, you know, one night and, I don't know. It's always like extraordinary. I think what's cool about Essence 2 and now is that they stream it mm-hmm. live for free. So people who don't, who can't make it can watch it at home. And I just think that is really cool. But ain't nothing like being, you know, in person. And even though like it's an ambiance or an environment, a space for Black women, it's really a space for everybody. If you were into Black culture, they got everything from vendors. You know what I'm saying? They got people over there taking your resume. You can get your head, you can get a headshot done. You can apply for a job. You can do, you can interview for a job on the spot. You can get beauty products, hair products. You can go shopping and support, you know, Black businesses and Black vendors. You can sign up for life insurance or car insurance or house insurance. (laughs) pet insurance like you can do anything you need to do in that one weekend in essence phase and then you can go you know what i'm saying see some amazing concerts my you know most memorable concert was of course in 2015 when i got to see prince headline at essence fest and so mm. I, i'm an avid advocate for essence fest and you know girls trip was shot that movie girls trip with queen latifah and tiffany haddish and jada pinkett and Regina Hall, you know, that was shot. Um, you know, the backdrop was Essence Fest. And so yeah. it's a good time. Yeah. Definitely is a good time. I heard a little heard a little conflict happen down there between some local businesses this year. I think I might have heard the same thing. Yeah. Like the <coughs> I guess the festival had kind of froze them out of running their business, you know? Who did? The Essence Festival kind of froze them out of like them being able to handle their businesses like stores and boutiques and stuff like that. I don't know. I was hearing something different. What you heard? I was hearing that this one company was kind of taking the the taking the um the likeness of Essence, advertising some events and charging people, you know, charging the public. Oh, word! Now that's what I was hearing about this one company in particular. And yeah. from what I understand, Essence like served them a cease and desist, and. It was funny because it I what I I seen it go down, but in reverse. So what I seen was the company may issue a statement saying all of these events are canceled 
for this weekend. And I was, like, I was like, that's interesting. And then I seen an article, a news article that was like, Essence has served this company a cease and desist. And I think they were basically like, kind of sort of like, we gonna, we finna move forward with a lawsuit as well. But then by the end of the weekend, the lawsuit um, got either, either was dropped or they were notified that they weren't going to move forward with it. Now that's what I heard. <laughs> hey, well, as you know, when you're doing big things like that, there's always going to be some drama. Even, yeah. even if it's you know, smaller towns and things of that nature. Festivals, they, you know, you got to deal with the good because the bad going to come along with it too. So. For sure. Well, I saw, go ahead. I was going to say maybe uh, Bali and Bowie can do a NOLA takeover and Essence, Essence next year. Yeah, we need that sponsorship for that to happen. <laughs> we're going to take over. We're going to go to all the places, all the shows. And we need somebody to sponsor that. You need a sponsorship. Let's write Essence tonight. Come on. <laughs> hey, last thing about the Essence. Did you see uh, Janelle Monet's performance? I did not. <laughs> Already, well, I heard that she uh showed a little booby, and people were upset because they had their children in the crowd. Was the children at this? All that. I'm like, I like. Okay, it is a festival. Or whatever, but like, I ain't trying to take no kids to Essence Festival. That really kind of defeat the whole purpose. Like, 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 girls' trip was like four adult black women going to go do their thing and have a good time at Essence Festival. I feel like Essence Festival nighttime, all of that stuff is for adults. Now, I ain't saying that like everything's gonna be R rated, but why is you bringing your little kids to Essence Festival? Like, what what what's the purpose of that? Uh, for me, there would be no purpose. I mean, if I had a kid, for me, if I had a kid and I was like, okay, Essence is this weekend. I would like my child to come. It would probably be on the night that like Prince performed or like maybe, maybe, maybe on the night that Janet Jackson performed or, you know, somebody like extraordinary or whatever. But for me, I wouldn't really be taking my kid to a hip hop focused anything because it's very vulgar and like inappropriate. And there is no censorship at essence. Um, they're not singing the um, censored version. Everything is very explicit. And it's like 
surround sound and it's like you know what I'm saying it's raw and uncut because it's a bunch of grown folks like it's grown folks weekend mm -hmm. somebody was trying to make a point that like essence which is I don't know if I I don't know how I feel about this but they were saying that like essence kind of generates a different type of crowd it kind of lends itself to the like more like buttoned up you know politically astute you know what I'm saying like upper middle class blacks mm -hmm. that's what somebody was trying to make a point about which I kind of understood because if you go to Essence you'll know like what that means a lot of celebrities are in are at Essence Fest um a lot of people spend a lot of money to get to Essence Fest. Like, it is not cheap. So you either are saving for a long time or you just got it like that. But not only that, people, politicians come and, like, uh, capitalize off of having that many Black people that are, you know, that they assume are educated, that are of voting age. So a lot of politicians come and like pander <laughs> to the crowd. You know what I'm saying? It's got all this like historical and cultural context, political context. And so some people was like, well, this ain't like Girls Gone Wild Blacks or this ain't like, you know, Bella Nova, Bella Noche's Blacks, which is, you know, which you take it away so, like, they was really making a key a issue about the kids, but it's making an issue more about, like, I mean, I guess, like, respectability, I guess, a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I never, I haven't been to that many Essence Fest, so I don't really know, but I know the, the ones I've been to, I ain't never seen no, like, flat-out nudity like that. And... um. But I also don't like looking at, you know, Chi-Chi's. Because that's not what I like looking at. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there, 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 are, there are lots of people that like looking at Tata's. There's a and lot. So they have to see some at, during that weekend. They built whole clubs just so you can go, go look at them. <laughs> Correct. And so who am I to say one thing or the other? I don't know. But, I mean, I hate when people co-opt the whole children thing. I bet you it wasn't no kids there. Because I very seldom see kids at Essence. And I'm trying to figure, I don't know what night Janelle Monet performed. And if it was a night where people, people was like, this would be a good night for my baby to come. But, like, I don't really see children there. Now, even young people there, like people, you know, under 25, people under 21, I think. Because I, I think it's a... Any age can come. They're not checking your ID for, you know, to actually come in the venue. So I think any age can come. And there do be a lot of, like, young people there. But I I hardly ever see kids. Hey, well, you know, NDRE had a lot to say about that. And, you know, a few other people did, too. But like I say, ultimately for me, I don't really see the purpose in bringing a child to 
an event like that because you was going to Essence Festival in 1995 and I would feel like you were safe. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because you heard that lineup. Mm -hmm. B.B. King wasn't going to do nothing but give you a little guitar riff. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, you know, Aretha Franklin wasn't going to do nothing but give you a little shoulder and take it right back. Give you a little leg and take it right back, you know. Uh, Patty LaBelle wasn't gonna do nothing but, but kick them heels off. But 2023, you know, you might get a little breasticle in your face, but it's all good, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that there's a great way to. Celebrate black music, especially as Black Music Month was ending. Yes. Yeah, we had a great time for Black Music Month. I mean, a great time. NPR Tiny Desk showed out. They showed out. Uh, my boy Juvie closed it, shut it down, and he went to the Essence Festival. He, he, for the he, first time. Yeah, he was at the Essence Festival, and I. He was complaining. He was like, now they celebrating 50 years of hip-hop, but how they ain't got me in my hometown? Hello. And uh, they heard me fix that. And everybody who saw the NPR Tiny Desk of Juvenile, you know, hey, that was that was a nice tiny desk. I, hey, I ain't going to stunt. When them girls got up there and started singing rodeo with him, I was like, oh, man, they made me like that song a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I just, that <laughs> was a great rendition of Rodeo. Yeah. I just thought that was so, that was so beautiful. Like, the girls were, like, aesthetically beautiful. I love their outfits. And they just had such great voices. And their take on that song was, like, it was, it was great. Yeah. That was nice. I think you probably watched more Tiny Desk than me. I didn't watch my, I didn't watch a good number of them, but I think you've seen more. Was that the first time that anybody ever did an encore for their final song? I can't tell you if that was the first time. It may or may not have happened before. First time I've seen it. Right, but I'm going to say it don't happen often. Uh -huh. like, you know, and as a matter of fact, like sometimes, because I do watch a bunch of Tiny Desks and I read the captions and stuff too. And like, they'll tell you like, well, you know, I remember watching this one tiny desk and it was saying like, usually we cut out people talking. Um, Cause we just like want to get to the music. And so some people like, you know, some people are a little more windy, long winded than others. And so that they'll tell you like in the description but like they'll be like, well, this time, you know, we really want to hear what this person had to say, so we left it in or whatever. So mm -hmm. I read the descriptions a lot too on Tiny Desk, but I ain't never seen where they did an encore. That that's an an interesting question though, and I wonder what the answer is. But yeah. I mean, they did when they was asking for an encore, I thought they was just kidding, but they yeah. ran it back for real. Yeah, when well, yeah, when somebody shouted it out, I I I believe they was kidding. But for, you know, artists like Juvenile, who 
you can tell that uh, he is uh, all about crowd participation mm -hmm. just by his performance, but that's the type of attention and the type of time he was on when he heard it and they still was all up there like none of the musicians left. He was like, I want that, you know, and then they went right back into it. So we can for sure say like, okay, we ain't watched every NPR Tiny Desk concert, but you know what I'm saying? Like encores are definitely probably a rarity because out of the ones we didn't sing, we ain't never, I don't recall ever seeing them for the last song. So. Me either. And I was just happy that they ran it back because I didn't want it to end. You know, of course, it, the Tiny Desk shows, they usually be shorter than even 20 minutes. This was like almost a 30-minute Tiny Desk. Almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That that was dope. That was dope. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, shout out to all the Black music that we celebrated this summer. Man, I, I just feel like I'll probably do a whole show about just appreciating black music and concerts and festivals and uh, virtual concerts, you know what I'm saying? All of that. But you know what I'm saying? Hey, uh, I'm loving the vibes. And uh, we can shut things down, man. You know what I'm saying? Black people loving each other, black people loving this music. 2023 and we appreciate everybody that you know been rocking with us man we, we coming back you know two episodes strong this time you know what i'm saying uh any final thoughts in your opinion or you know what I'm saying you ready to get up out of here i just want to say that um actually me and midnight would like to say happy uh summer 2023 um Make sure you get darker in the sun and stay hydrated with your sunscreen. Um, let us know, you know, if there's any other topics that you would like us to discuss. You guys always keep us on our toes with new things to talk about and chat about. Um, it's probably time for us to also maybe get another guest on the podcast. We haven't had a guest since, was it Ryan? Ryan? Ryan Davis was our last guest. So we putting it out there. So I'm going to tag them in this episode. <laughs> uh, I got a request from one of our faithful listeners. Who? I'll tell you that offline. But one of our faithful listeners has requested that we either get or get both of these people. My guy, Stoney Jackson, mm. or... Or Cochise Weber, two of my favorite uh, promoters and entrepreneurs in the community. I rock with both of them. So we're going to tag them at the end of this episode. Yo, Stoney Jackson, Cochise, be expecting that phone call soon because as a matter of black, we want to we wanna get y'all as guests on the show. And anybody else y'all got recommendations on? Y'all send that in, all right? I love that. That would be great for the culture. I would enjoy that. So yeah, you know, until next time, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to give do a few more episodes this summer because we got to get back on our on our um on our 
podcasting grind. P's and our cubes. Yeah. So you know, and then we gotta we gotta run back our uh, four ingredients too because we ain't done it in a long time as well. So yeah. Until next time, plug plug a beer, plug a plug a guest you'd like to see, like, share, subscribe, download all those things. Stay black. It's the summertime. All right. Stay black, y'all. Peace. Peace.